I think most people, when they when they hear Forex and 24-7, especially newer traders who think they have to trade all the time, they believe that they have to be in front of the charts 24-7. That, that isn't the case. Um, kind of like you, you know, I, I typically spend maybe a half an hour in the morning kind of setting up my ideas. Um, I do some, um, some active trading during the day, but mainly that's for the educational purposes of it. If I wasn't doing that, I wouldn't be actively looking at a chart. And then I'll come back at night and check up on anything that needs to be done before the overnight. So it's not a a really big time investment. Um, obviously, if something triggers during the day, there's alerts and stuff. Not, I'll, I'll you know I'll check it, but I'm not sitting there staring at my chart. This is the How to Trade Stocks Options podcast, brought to you by 10MinuteStockTrader.com, where we cover finance, stocks, options, entrepreneurship, education, and money. And here's your host, voted one of the top 100 people in finance, Christopher Ewell. Hey there, traders. Welcome back to today's How to Trade Stocks Options podcast. I have three special free gifts for you over at 10MinuteStockTrader.com. That's the triple stock profits ebook you can get for free. That's a bullish power cheat sheet that you can get for free. And if that wasn't enough, at the brand new web class, How to Easily Discover Proven Backtested 100% Plus Winners, that is for free as well. You can get these three free gifts, all yours, at 10MinuteStockTrader.com the triple stock profits ebook, the free web class, and the bullish power cheat sheet. And all you got to do is go to 10minutestocktrader.com. The How to Trade Stock Options podcast is now exclusively on sharevision.com, the first dedicated streaming platform for the world of finance. And that's where you can find us every single week over at sharevision.com. Just head to sharevision.com to learn more and type in 10 minute stock trader in the search bar come like and subscribe. I can't wait to see you over there at sharevision.com, the first dedicated streaming platform for the world of finance. Hey there, traders. Welcome back to today's How to Trade Stocks Options podcast. Today, I am super, super stoked to have Akil Stokes on the podcast. Akil is uh, somebody that connected with me ages ago, but we never actually had a chance to sit down and talk and really just pick each other's brains. So I'm super excited about this. Now, Akil, uh, part of his bio, he he was a struggling trader turned consistently profitable trader, money manager, and trading coach. Started all the way back in 2007, and he's he's come a long way. Like he says in his bio here, he has learned the hard way. He doesn't like trading for others, but he does have the passion for teaching others. So, Akil, thank you so much for taking the time to be available uh, and to come on the podcast today. Yeah, no problem. Excited to be here. Stoked, as you said earlier, I like what you did there. Uh, <laughs> I'm ready to go, man. This is going to be fun. Dude, yeah. Tell me, tell me, tell me where your story began, because, you know, we all have a trading story and I think yours uh, may have a lot more curves and, and, and twists in the road than, than most people. So I'm excited to hear about this. Yeah, and I'll try to give the, the briefest version as possible. I can get long-winded sometimes, but in hindsight, so my trading journey starts back to being a little kid and my dad forcing me to like, I don't know if they even do this anymore, like roll pennies in those little penny rollers and then take them to the bank. Um, little did I know back then, I just thought it was a, a pointless chore, but he was starting to teach me about money, how it works. And slowly building up from this is money, this is what happens when you put it in a checkings account, to a savings account, to a certificate of deposit, to a money market account. And 
over the years, my dad just taught me kind of the, the, the basics of financial education. He's no expert at by any means, but it was a lot more knowing now than what a lot of people learned growing up. So when I graduated college, um, you know, I had some money that I had nothing to do with, right? I, I've always been a hard worker. I, I've worked since the age of really like 14, whether it's building houses, whether it's cleaning dishes, whether it's, um, you know, working with uh, children that had mental and behavioral um, concerns. And, you know, I never really spent any money. I'm, I'm pretty frugal. Um, so I graduate college. My dad's like, this is your last hurrah. This is the last time your family members will ever care about you and give you money. Um, and I said, well, what should I do with it? And the next step of that process, you know, going from kind of building up from savings account to investing, whatnot, was he said, hey, you should have some exposure to the financial markets, the stock market. So I said, hey, look, you know, my, my dad's been there my whole life. He's given me nothing but kind of good information. Let's do it. And at the same time, I'm, I'm dating this young lady and I found out that her grandfather type of figure is like this big investment guru. Like, so he wanted to meet me because he wanted to vet me because things were getting a little bit serious and he wanted to make sure kind of I, I passed the test before, you know, marrying her and whatnot. And when I found out that he was in investments, I said, this is the perfect person to pick his mind. So I kind of had an, an unofficial mentorship where basically I said, hey, I'm going to sit in your office while you do work every day and just watch you. And if you want me to get you coffee, if you want me to make copies of something, you know, free labor, just I just want to sit here and learn. And doing that, he saw how serious I was. And between his breaks and calls, he would give me kind of little educational tips. And that's how I got into the financial markets. I started off in the stock market. Um, I had some pretty good luck at the time. You know, it, this was 2000. 2007 going into 2009. So I was fortunate enough to kind of get everything when it was going up. And then after everything crashed, buy everything again at a much cheaper price. And that's when it kind of hit me like, hey, this is something that I'm passionate about. I love it. I'm interested in it. It gives me energy. I want to do this for the rest of my life. How can I make this a career and not just a hobby? And, and that's when I really start to take things seriously. I, I'm making notes. Whenever I interview people, I have pages of notes because um, I find people are really interesting in their histories. You know, you mentioned your dad mm -hmm. um, rolling, teaching you the value of of investing, of money and starting with penny rolling. Yeah. Um, I had a similar experience, actually. I remember rolling, rolling uh, coins with my parents. And um, I remember it may not have been when we were rolling coins, but I remember one time this old dirty penny and i'm like i was just going to throw it away yeah and my dad was like hold on a second dude that's still united states currency you can still <laughs> take that dirty old penny to any store in this country and that you know you can get the value of that penny from anywhere it doesn't matter how dirty it is and that's actually a lesson that i've taught my kids because i've seen them doing the same thing especially now you know where a penny's almost invaluable Pointless, or yeah. ha has nothing no value to it and uh i've seen them do the same thing and i'm like hold up there you can put that in your piggy bank because you can take it to any store and it's still good. It'll add up. You, you yeah, it up for those sure. dirty pennies. It'll add up to a dollar. <laughs> and uh, uh, I think that's really neat. Yeah. Sharing, sharing a, a similar uh, experience there. But what I, what I really was excited to hear about was you you were smart with your graduation funds. I have no idea what I do with mine. I, I probably spent that as fast as possible, but that was, that was really wise of you, especially that, you know, that, that came from, from your dad. And then 
getting the opportunity to work with the investment guru, like you mentioned from your, your girlfriend's grandfather figure. That's really cool. Being able to work with him every day. I mean, that's incredibly, incredibly smart. That reminds me. Um, so I, I know Mark Minervini personally, I've worked with him a little bit and, um, Minervini had a story where, uh, there was, there was a young gentleman who wanted to be just like Minervini. And so he would, um, you know, sleep and he would sleep over with Minervini. He would do everything that mean he would eat like him. He'd sleep like him. He'd train like him. He'd do everything like him because he's like, listen, if you're the best trader in the world, I'm going to do exactly what you do because obviously you're doing something right. So when you said that, that your story reminded me a lot of, of Minervini in that way. So I thought that was pretty cool. <laughs> so, so what happened after, after you started uh, following this uh, investment guru in your words, what happened there? What, where, where did that go? Where did that lead to? And, and how did you transition from the stocks into the Forex market? So the entire time, and, and again, I, I graduated right around the time of the recession. So I ended up going to grad school because I had no idea what I wanted to do with my life. And I was tired of people asking, hey, what are you doing now that you graduated? So I said, hey, you know, I'll do grad school. That'll buy me two more years to kind of weather the storm and, and have an answer for people. And um, what I know, I was doing odd jobs at the time. I was, I was working, I had an internship. I was, you know, working in the school district with, again, uh, children that had mental and behavioral health uh, problems. And I was a janitor. I was cleaning banks and preschools, toilets, all that fun stuff at night, just because in my DNA is just, I've always been taught, just work as hard as you can. And I've done that for a very long age. And it finally got to the point where I started to get tired. I was like, this is a lot. Um, I'm not enjoying it. I, I like the money that's coming in. I think I was making like between everything $30,000 a year, which is like, I've never seen that much money in my life at the time. Um, but I started thinking to the future, especially as things started getting serious with my, my girlfriend. I said, hey, you know, if we're going to get married, if we're going to have a family, wait a minute, this $30,000 is good now when you're a swinging bachelor, but not, not when you have kids and stuff. Um, and I didn't really know what to do. So once again, I reached out to my father and I said, hey, you know, what should I do? I think my internship's going to want to hire me, but I don't really want to do it. I don't like it. And, you know, my, my dad's someone who was, was in a job for a very long time that he didn't like, but it, it paid the bills. And he gave me some really good advice. He said, you know what, you're young. You have no kind of, you know, you don't have a family or anything like that. You don't really have a lot of responsibilities right now. If there's something that you're passionate about, take a shot on it, man. Go for it. What's the worst that could happen? I'm like, what, 21, 22 years old? Worst that could happen is you fail. You're, you're 22, 23 years old, and you got your entire life to restart plenty of time. And, and that's when I said, you know what, I'm going to go for it. And at the same time, a, a buddy of mine who was also investing, he introduced me to Forex. And I had no idea what Forex was. And he's like, yeah, you, it's currency trading. So you're going to get a kick out of this, right? So the first thing I thought, because the only, only, I guess, exposure I have to currency trading is, uh, you know, going on trips where you see a currency exchange in the airport. So I'm like, wait a minute. So we're going to have duffel bags full of money. We're going to bring them into the airport. We're going to sit by the currency exchange and then like wait till the figures change and then like push the duffel bag on. And, and I'm like, dude, like my name is Akil Latif. It's an Arabic name. You know, things, tensions are still a little bit high. I don't want to be coming through the airport with this beard and a you know, duffel bag full of money. Things can go sideways pretty quickly. Um, but then he sat down and, and explained it to me. He said, hey, the Forex market, similar type of deal, but um, much more volatile, um, a lot of liquidity in it. 
It's, you know, a million times the size of the stock market. It's 24-7. And basically what I heard from all this is that, oh, highly leveraged. And basically what I heard from all this was that I can make more money quicker by using less money. And I was like, word, I'm in. Because, you know, I was good in the stock market. I got a little bit cocky. I'm like, I, I, can, I can do this. And despite the other smart decisions I made in my life, um, the smart decision I made at this point, I said, hey, you know what? I'm going to quit my three jobs and I'm just going to go for it um, because I, I wasn't taking my training seriously when I had these jobs. I was doing just enough, but because I had the luxury of, hey, you know, I'm making this money on the background. There wasn't that urgency. I said, I'm going to quit my three jobs. I'm going to focus fully on this trading thing. I'm going to become successful. I think I had like a, a year worth of income saved to kind of survive. And, and I said, we're going to do this. And, and I, I jumped off the cliff. Jumped off the cliff. <laughs> that was when you're at 21? This would have been probably 2022, I think 2000, 2008, 2009-ish. So 22, 23, somewhere around there. What I love about this story is your dad, your dad's a pretty smart guy. Yeah. He's telling, you <laughs> at, telling you at 21, go risk it all, dude. You ain't got nothing to lose. Like, what's the worst that can happen? You move home, you get a new job right? There's no mortgage. There's no kids. There's, there's no, no, no obligations. That reminds me of, uh, of Gary Vaynerchuk. Do you know Gary V? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, he says that, I mean, he's, he'll say that to a 57 year old, like, Hey, look, you got 30 years left. Go for it. What's the worst that can happen. But being able to take that risk at 21 was really smart. And then focusing on your trading at 22, dude, I wish that I had had that opportunity, right? I didn't really start taking my trading serious until 20, Oh, was I? It was, it was after my second son was born, 28. Yeah. So 28. So you had six year head start on me on that. So I, I wish that I had <laughs> that experience. So, so you came into the Forex world mm -hmm. and you started trading after having had some successes in the stock market. Tell me what was like the first hurdle, the first, uh, the first time you're like, whoa, this is different. <laughs> this is not the same as trading uh, Apple or Apple options or anything like that. Well, I, I tell you the big difference, and again, I'm very undereducated at this at this moment is, so in the stock market, I was an investor, right? I was mm -hmm. a, a short-term investor. I didn't have a lot of money. So things would go up. I'd take it out to buy something else, that type of stuff. In Forex, I became a trader, so more active. I, I did tried to do like penny stocks for like a little bit in the stock market failed miserably because I had no idea what I was doing. Um, but this was my first time actually trading. It was also my first time using technical analysis, right? So when I was in the stock market, um, more of a fundamental trader, um, you know, I, I do research, I, you know, and, and, and make buy or sell decisions off of that. Um, the Forex caused me to, to learn more about technical analysis, reading charts. And this was an entirely different language. And I, I had, I thought I knew what I was doing. Um, I had no idea what I was doing. So basically I, I went in blind and had to relearn everything that I thought I knew um, at the time. And that was extremely hard. It, it took a lot longer than I thought. It was also something that, again, my whole life, I've kind of just, you know, you, you work hard enough for a long enough period of time and stuff gets done. That's kind of been my philosophy in life. Um, you know, I was a, an athlete as well. I was never the greatest athlete, but I had the most energy. So like, I would just consistently put energy out there and do the right things. And coaches would like me and I'd get into the game just because you're, you're, you're not going to out hustle me. You're not going to outwork me. Um, 
I thought that same approach would work in trading. It did not. Um, I guess ultimately did those, those those qualities did work out. But the fact that I had no idea what I was doing, I was just wasting effort on all the wrong things. And I didn't really know it was wrong. Um, it, it, it caused a, a massive hurdle in my trading. Hey, buddy. A little guy in the background. Hi. See you, dude. <laughs> Future trader. <laughs> dude, for sure. Dude, there was a day not long ago, I was, I was with my son at school and um, I was having lunch with him one day and he's like, hey, dad, I know you trade stocks, but like, how? <laughs> and I was like, well, when the price goes up, I buy it. When the price stops going up, I get out of it. <laughs> he's like, oh, okay, that's easy. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> All right. So, so speaking of very simplified terms of technical analysis, mm -hmm. tell me what I mean, I'm sure your technical analysis has changed from then to now. Where did you start? Like, what what was, what picked you up initially in that world, and how has it migrated to to what you do today? Where where did I start? I mean, I, I started at whatever the first search site that came up on Google when I Googled technical analysis or like magic trading strategy. I was everywhere, man. I, I had a massive amount of, I, I had all this free time on my hand because I quit my jobs, right? So I, I just had nothing better to do all day, but be on the internet and Google stuff. So, you know, my days and weeks consisted of, I'd Google something, I'd look at it, I'd watch a video, I'd, you know, uh, and then I'd try it out. And then I'd Google something else and look at it and then watch a video and, and, and try it out and do something else. I, I was stuck in this cycle of, I was just I was trying everything. I had all this information and I didn't know what was good, what was bad, but I just had all this information in my head. And I was just like a, a kid in the candy store, overwhelmed doing everything, but I had no idea what worked. I had no idea. I, I just had no idea what I was doing. Um, and I would just make the mistake. I, I, I would I would do stuff. I would think I'm doing it right. I would get overconfident. I'd put real money in. I'd lose money. I'd go back to the drawing board. I'd learn something else. I'd try it out. It would work for like a little bit. And I put real money in because I was impatient. I would lose real money once I put it in and I'd take it out and start all over. And I just kept repeating that cycle over and over and over again for a very long period of time. But you were trying everything, right? I mean, mm -hmm. that that has to be commended because you don't know what works until you try it. It's true. Yeah. And I assume you were taking notes on on like, oh, this thing worked and that thing didn't work, right? Or was there a point where you're like, I should start taking notes? Well, yeah, and I was taking notes on everything, but the, the problem is so I, I didn't understand, you know, my mindset wasn't right at the time for trading. Um, you know, I didn't understand probabilities, I didn't understand edges. So for me, if something didn't work all the time. It didn't work. So I could I could have this something and, and it seems it's 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 embarrassing looking back on it, but this is all part of the journey that turned me to who I am today. But I can have something that says works 10 times in a row. And then if it doesn't work three times in a row, I would ditch it because I'm like, oh no, it stopped working. In hindsight, I'm like, man, I'd trade that all day, every day. But yeah. I, I didn't proper I didn't know how to properly evaluate what I was doing. It was all random. Um, now again, I, I was building a good knowledge base, right? A lot of the stuff I tried back then, I can now go back and look at it now and, and use it in a, a much better way. But at the time it was just, I was getting exposed to a lot of things, but I had no way to properly judge if it was right, if it was wrong, if it was good, if it was bad, how to tweak it. Um, it was kind of just like shiny thing syndrome where it's like, Ooh, this, Ooh, that, Ooh, this, Ooh, that. And, and for a long period of time. For sure. So I mean, what you're talking about there with the mindset and the probabilities and the edges, that really reminds me of um, 
probably the best trading psychology book ever, which was Trading in the Zone. Have you read that one? Yes, I, I read it after I became consistently profitable. Ah, I I read it. Now it also taught me why I was afraid of dogs, which was a massive help in my life. Absolutely, um, I know that story. I know you're talking yep. about. <laughs> so, um, I mean, part of what he talks about in there is the fact that every trade has a random outcome, right? Like exactly what you were just saying there. It may have a positive edge, a positive expectancy, but the results will come in. Um, uh, uh, random returns, right? There will be mm -hmm. some big winners. There'll be some small losers. There will be some small winners and, and something like that. And you don't know at what frequency they'll come through, right? There, there could be several huge winners in a row, which will get you into the state of euphoria as he talks about in that book. And so you're thinking everything I touch works, bro. Yes. I'm just going to put it on. I don't even care. I got the golden touch. And then immediately you lose everything. And you're like, uh, okay. So clearly that strategy was wrong. It's not me. It's that strategy, right? It can't you. be me. <laughs> so, so as a, as a trader in Forex these days, what, mm -hmm. what kind of technical analysis do you look at? Do you use moving averages? Do you use stochastics? Do you use MACDs? What, where do you go? So I am pure price action. I'm a, a called a, a naked trader. Um, take that however you want for you guys not viewing this right now, but um, yeah, pr price action is key to me. And the, the main, the backbone of my philosophy, the backbone of my trading all centers around support and resistance, supply, demand, uh, structure, um, where I look for entries, where I place stops, where I look for profit targets, all deal with structure, support, resistance, supply, demand. Um, I do use um, some indicators as um, kind of a compliment. Uh, my personal favorite is the relative strength index. Um, mm -hmm. I'll use average true ranges more, but that's more of kind of a, a, a calculator type indicator, not something I need to view. Um, but yeah, price action trader. So looking for support and resistance structure and just classic patterns in the market. So the market has put in these classic patterns for eternity, your, your stuff like your head and shoulders, your double tops, double bottoms, your consolidation patterns like, you know, flags and wedges and triangles. And, you know, if you can, you know, if you can develop your skill to identify those and, and identify where they come at in what type of market conditions, they can be extremely powerful. So that's the centerpiece of, of my trading, just pure price action. I love a very few, or I love several things that you said there. First was talking about ATR. I am a huge advocate for ATR, which uh, I learned about from the Complete Turtle Trader. Have you read this? I, I haven't have it on my desk right now. Have I've read? I think so. Yeah, I've had. Dude, to. I've this that this, this book one. is incredible. I love that book. And then um, Larry Height, one of the original market wizards. Ooh. I had a chance to interview him, and he was Ooh, talking nice. about how uh, how important ATR was in position sizing. And since then, I'm like, okay, I'm all ATR all day. So that was really cool that you mentioned that too, that you're not alone in that. The su Good. most successful traders in the world, they use that, my dude. You, you but, don't hear about it a lot out there because no. it's, it's not the, the MACD or just the have, cast. Have you noticed that, right? Like all the stuff that works, no one talks about. <laughs> all the real trading stuff that actually works, mm -hmm. no one talks about. It's, mm -hmm. not, uh, it's not sexy, <laughs> you know? That's true. But you mentioned patterns. I, mm -hmm. I, uh, I can't do those. Right. When you talk about head and shoulders, cup and handles, mm -hmm. flag, pin it. I, I, I say because I don't get it because I'm not great at art. I'm great mm -hmm. at math. I'm great at science. I'm not great at art. And you are probably better in the art camp 
than I would be. And I think that that is like, if there's, there's two different ways to look at trading, I think there's mm-hmm. the art tra- art side, which is more like what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. And then there's like the, uh, the math side, which is the way that I like to trade. Both of them clearly work, but I can't do it. My dude, when I, when yeah. someone describes to me how, how they use, um, you know, different, different patterns, I, I immediately totally blank out. And my, my initial go-to is it's like the upside down, trying upside down staircase, triangle, uh, cheesecake. That's the way I describe chart (laughs) patterns because I don't get it. (laughs) It's yeah. I mean, you're, you're dead, right. I mean, uh, trading is an art and a science and it's, it's an interesting blend between the both and, and, and something that I always talk about, you know, when, when working with traders is like, you know, you have to know your personality. There's, there's no magic system in trading. You have to know your strengths and weaknesses and, and develop your trading style around that, right? If you're someone, if you know, like you mentioned, hey, like my pattern recognition skills aren't there. I'm not good at staring at a piece of artwork and interpreting no. or where we look and finding them. So, so this book here, How to Make Money in Stocks, uh-huh. um, there's a hundred pages of charts, just a hundred pages of Bill O'Neill annotating, you know, <laughs> oh. this charts, this pattern, this charts, this pattern. And I went through there one day with a pen and paper and I'm, I'm looking at it and I'm reading it and I'm like, how is that a cup and handle? Like, I don't get that. How is this a pennant? How is this a flag? I don't understand it. But what he had beside all of these were moving averages. And I'm like, well, that moving average seems to be talking about what he's talking about without having mm-hmm. to like, draw anything okay well hang on a second and that's where i was like holy shit (laughs) moving averages that works for me so that's the way that my brain goes to and moving averages make sense to me because they're 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 math based and you know they they follow a line without you having to actually make the line yourself so that's really i love i love hearing the different different ways to do it right because minervini he's similar to you in the fact that he uh he draws patterns too his vcp pattern especially so now I got to ask you, Uh-oh. because there was one day, and this was years ago, years ago, man. And, and I don't know what it was that stuck about that to me. It was an interaction you had on social media. I mean, I wasn't even involved. I just saw it. <laughs> and I'm like, wow, what a dick move, right? Not by you, by the other person. And they're like, you know how I can tell it kills a scammer because in his, in his, uh, I guess like LinkedIn or something like that talked about you being a track coach. They're like, he's such a scammer. He's a track coach. He doesn't know what he's talking about. And I'm like, sometimes people really suck. Right. Because you can't do either one of those, my friend. It's like, if you're bullish on Tesla today and Tesla's going down, maybe you change your mind and say, you know what? I'm bearish Tesla now. No, no, no. You are stuck being bullish the rest of your life. You are stuck as a teacher the rest of your life, Akil. How do you handle people on the internet, right? Uh, There's so much crap out there. It is, man. It's it's uh that, that's the part of uh you know. So when I went from managing money to coaching, I never really wanted to coach. I, I like helping people, but when you when you get into the business part, you you got to put yourself out there. Between me and you, like it feels like I don't I don't like being out there at all. I'd rather just I like trading. I like coaching. I like behind the scenes. Um, but that's that's part of it, and you're gonna deal with a lot of people. It was very tough at the beginning of my career because. I took everything personally. It could be like 18, you know, uh, favorable comments. And then there's one bad comment. I'm like, oh, like, yeah. not like how you can have 18 trades in a row and you, you lose one trade and all of a sudden it's like, ah, it's over. It's, mm-hmm. it's um, but then you, but then you, you, you realize that 
these people are upset, not with you, they're upset with themselves, right? The, the reason they're upset is because you're doing something that they wish they can do and not necessarily trading or being successful, but they wish they can take the leap and try to follow their dreams and they haven't. And yeah. here's the funny thing about coaching track. First of all, we just won the championship uh, last week. Congratulations. We're working for 15 <laughs> years for that. It's awesome. Thank you. Um, little known fact, right? So track is the reason I got into trading in a sense, right? So I told you earlier about I had this, uh, the internship I was doing when I was doing my master's and they wanted to hire me. Um, at the same time, I was um, assistant coaching with the track team that I ran for. I ran for in college and after graduating, I was still local. So I said, hey, I'll help out. And I really started enjoying it. It was obviously I'm a sports nerd, so I love that. But um, the fact that you can have an impact on people's lives at a very delicate age, right? College age people going from, what is it, you know, 17 to 21, where they're doing all types of stuff to, um, to be able to kind of be like a guiding force or, uh, you know, through that childhood to adulthood. Um, it made me feel good. Like it made me feel like I was making an impact on the world. And, and, and that was important to me. And when I got the job offer from the internship, one of the things I asked was, I said, hey, you know, I'd like to keep coaching track. We practice like know three o'clock to six o'clock can I you know can I do that they're like no well no we need you here nine to five I'm like well what if I come in like seven o'clock and do seven to three like I don't you know I wake up early I don't mind and I'm like no we really need you here nine to five and I wanted to do track so bad that I, I, I was willing to turn down that internship or that job offer because again I, I wasn't passionate about the job I was passionate about coaching track and it was one of the things that caused me to go after trading so I said wait a minute trading especially for this is flexible I can make my own hours. I don't have a boss telling me what I can or can't do. If I become success, successful at trading, I can trade during the day. I can coach at night and boom. And I said, okay, let's, let's, that was one of the reasons I said, let's go for it. That flexibility, that freedom in life to do kind of what I want. Absolutely. Um, so to that troll out there, if you're listening still after all these years, yeah, I coach track because I do whatever I want, whenever I want. <laughs> Ooh, that's a really good answer. I like that. Uh, that sounds so cocky. <laughs> no, it's all good, my friend. So, so speaking of being flexible, mm -hmm. right? You, you mentioned earlier that the Forex markets run 24 hours a day. Yeah. When I trade, I trade basically the last 30 minutes of the day. That's when all liquidity comes to town for, for, for trading. And um, what is it like for, for your trading day? Because I, I couldn't imagine worrying about something at 3.30 in the morning instead of 3.30 in the afternoon. Yeah, so it's 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 different. It's a gift and a curse. Um, it's a gift because it's flexible. You know, if you're someone that's working a full time job, you don't you know you can you can trade any time around that job. Um, there's always something going on. The, the downside is there could always be something going on. Mm -hmm. um, now, I think most people when they when they hear forex and twenty four seven, especially newer traders who think they have to trade all the time, they believe that they have to be in front of the charts twenty four seven. That that isn't the case. Um, kind of like you, you know, I, I typically spend maybe a half an hour in the morning kind of setting up my ideas. Um, I do some, um, some active trading during the day, but mainly that's for the educational purposes of it. If I wasn't doing that, I wouldn't be actively looking at a chart. And then I'll come back at night and check up on anything that needs to be done before the overnight. So it's not a, a really big time investment. Um, obviously, if something triggers during the day, there's alerts and stuff, not I'll, I'll, you know, I'll check it, but I'm not sitting there staring at my chart. The negative is this, though. Um, the London market, oh, the London market. So 
the London market is a, a very powerful market. It's basically kind of like, like you said, you trade the first 10 minutes of the day. It is basically the open of the stock market. Um, the problem is that the London market for me starts at like two o'clock in the morning. So I'm not going to be up two o'clock in the morning, but there's often a lot of volatility that gets flooded into the market while we're asleep. Um, so that means a lot of trading opportunities that maybe pass you by. Um, if you're not good with managing your positions, say you forgot to put a, a stop loss on or something like that, then you can wake up to some disastrous stuff. Um, dealing with that is one of the downsides of it because you have these powerful sessions that maybe are happening when you're not awake. Um, but that's part of the territory, part of the yeah. territory. So how long do you keep a trade on? Do you do you trade something in multiple days in a row or is it like, you know, uh, looking for day trades? Um, most of my trading now is, you know, I'll hold positions from hours to days. Um, mm. Every once in a while, you know, you'll, you'll be involved in a trade and the markets decide to do nothing for the summer. Uh, and maybe you're <laughs> in it for a week. But typically once I'm in a trade, um, a few hours or maybe like a day or so later, I'm out of it. Okay. So it's pretty, it's pretty quickly. I, I, I used to day trade and, and do the active stuff. Um, I liked day trading, don't get me wrong, but always working towards trying to get more freedom in my life. I don't want to sit in front of my chart. I don't want to have to sit in front of my charts two to three hours every day, um, for sure. you know, for the rest of my life. So I'm, I'm Dude, starting I remember the last time I even tried to day trade, I was sitting in this computer, looking at that or sitting at this desk in this chair, looking at that screen. And I spent the entire day watching it go up and down <laughs> by the end of the day, Akil, I made $8 and I probably took off eight years of my life in stress. Yeah. And I was like, nah, I'm not doing this ever again. I was like sweating, you know, having ulcers going on at the end of the day, eight bucks, $8. No, nah, well, not for me. I'll tell you what, see, before I started trading, there was hair on his head. After I started trading, <laughs> day trading, there's no hair on this head. That's, that's uh, what that's day funny. trading will do to you, man. Dude, I'm glad I have what I have. It's <laughs> yeah. not much, but it's it's a little bit. I feel you. The, the, the stress of every single second, tick, 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 mm -hmm. tick is just, man. No, nah, uh, I can't do it. That's why. And I, and this is how I trade. This is how I teach people to trade. It's um, the last 30 minutes of the day are literally when all the liquidity is coming into the market, all the hedge funds, all the institutions, everybody comes into town with a really small window. That's the only time you need to be making decisions, right? You get it in or get out. There's nothing to do otherwise. And, um, you know, when I tell people, you know, don't set stop losses. Now, granted, different market than yours. Yeah. When I say don't set stop losses, it's because intraday volatility can take people out when they don't mean to be. Yes. When at the end of the day, which is the only time I make a decision anyway, I would have still been in. So that's, I know it's different in your world, especially since you're trading overnight stuff. But for me, that that's the way I trade, right? Is I have a plan I'm following and that plan involves, I'm going to execute at this time only. Mm -hmm. Do you have times of the day that are like res reserved just for trading? Yeah, so we get the bulk of our volatility probably around, aside from the London session, probably around 8.30 each morning. That's kind of the overlap between opening of New York, kind of middle of London. So you have the two most volatile markets kind of at the same time. Mm -hmm. That's also when a lot of the, the high impact news events come into the market as, as well. And, you know, you, you get, uh, you know, we've got our, the same insiders as, as you and institutions. That's where they like the kind of sneaking and pumping their moves during those types of periods. So usually I would say this, you know, if you're looking at the London market, the first probably half an hour, hour of London market is when the bulk of the moves happen. The first 
half an hour, hour of the New York session is when it happens. Honestly, unless there's like an FOMC statement or something coming out after, what, after 10 o'clock New York, like there's no, the rest of the day, there's no point, no point yeah. the rest of the day. The Aussie market opens at like eight o'clock. There's even, we get people that try to trade that. Like there's watching paint dry is, is more exciting than that. So despite it being a 24 hour market, similar to like the stock market, there, there are set periods of time where the majority of the stuff is going to happen. Right. Um, the only weird stuff is again, you get someone like Japan likes to be sneaky sometimes. So they'll wait till everyone's asleep and they'll be like, Hey, we're going to do this. We're going to devalue our currency. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then like things go crazy or like a, a natural disaster hits or something like that. But those are the events you can't really plan for anyway. So it's not a big deal. For sure. So tell me how much, um, I mean, you don't have to like tell me exact numbers, but I know in the world of Forex leverage, as you mentioned earlier, is a big thing. Yeah. Um, from now, granted, this is how little I know. I know that there's like 10X, 50X, 100X leverage. What are you trading with? I'm just curious. So we're, we're capped here in the US at, at 50X. Oh, we are. Okay. I didn't um, yeah, even know that. And that was a change from, um, I think right after the recession, I think, I think we started like 200 or something like that. Um, Jeepers. and then we went down to 50 and everyone complained. And then the, the funny thing is this, right. And this is, I've always said my whole life, um, leverage doesn't matter. And, you know, to a certain extent, right. Because if you're a smart trader, if you understand risk management, if you understand position sizing, you're probably never going to use, you know, 200 to one leverage. Like you're, you're crazy. Um, <laughs> you're either really, really, really good and, and you're, or you're going to blow everything. So the fun thing about leverage is that, you know, when it goes from 201 to 50 to one, it doesn't really affect your position size unless you're doing wild and crazy reckless things to begin with. However, that's the thing that sucks people into Forex where you see yes. I get this 200 to one leverage, which means I can take a hundred dollar account and I can trade like I'm trading a hundred thousand dollar account. And it, it ends bad for most people that way um so we have i'm to be, sure it ends bad and i'm sure it ends bad fast because i mean yeah trading that you're, you're going to be knocked out within 30 minutes or something like that it's crazy yeah and, and what happens to most people is they they start off small and then they hit that that hot streak that random hot streak just because they were bullish and things went bullish for you know no no reason of their own it just happened and then like okay i got this but this little hundred dollar account only made me like 10 bucks I'm going to leverage up and blah, blah, blah. And I'll make this much money and then blown, blown up. Yeah. Blown up. How often do you see that happen? People blowing out their accounts. Too often. Um, yeah. I, 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 you know, I'm fortunate enough where I, I work with a, a group of traders that's they're highly educated. Um, so they're, they're not the reckless gamblers, most of them, but um, I still get the email, the message, you know, at least once a week of someone that's like, Hey man, I just blew my account doing this, doing that. And it's, it's, um, it's, it's, it's sad. It, it, it's, I feel for these people. Um, honestly, what do you see as common mistakes in the Forex market? Um, well, in general with trading is it's the instant gratification. Uh, I think people want the result without putting in the work and, and not understanding that to be successful at anything, it's going to take a massive amount of time. It's going to take a massive amount of effort. You, you got you to gotta earn your stripes. Um, you, you can't just expect to, you know, you, you can't just pick up and learn trading for a week and, and be a guru. Um, but people don't want to believe that. Um, people hear all the junk <laughs> that's out there on the internet where it's like, you know, hey, I you know, just got into trading last week, doubled my account every day for the last 50 days. And, and 
all that dumb stuff and they believe it because it's what they want to hear. Mm-hmm. Um, so instant, the need for instant gratification, that's a, another issue in this world in general, but the need for instant gratification is a big one. Um, I think people also have an unrealistic expectation about what can be made from the markets. I think a lot of them think it's a, a get rich quick scheme where they don't understand what good trading is. They don't understand money. You know, believe it or not, you'll have, you know, I'll tell someone that, hey, man, I, I know this trader that made 50% return on the year. And they're like, oh, that's all. Like, yes. Should we, should oh we my be gosh, I've heard that so much. It's like, what is wrong with you? Like, like, like if, if you have the, I don't mean to offend people because we don't do a good job of financial education in this world but like think about what a 50 percent return is like think about that and think about any market think about any type of investment tool like (laughs) like it's it's if you just be realistic if you just be realistic and think you're actually going to make 50 percent a week just run the math look at the numbers and see what that gets you and then ask yourself if that seems true like but people won't do that they'll they won't do that or they don't know i don't i don't know i have two stories i want to share with you one story (laughs) Um, so, so for last year, I actually did really well. I had 172.41% return. There we go. And, um, I was sharing that with somebody on the internet one day. And of course they're like, is that all? I mean, we had like the greatest bull market ever. And that's all you came up with. You suck. And I'm like, oh my gosh, people (laughs) suck so bad. You are an idiot. (laughs) But then, uh, I had, I had somebody who, who I was working with and he had a really small account and he's like, listen, I want to get this to a hundred thousand by the end of the year, but if we don't make that 20,000 would be okay. And I was like, dude, hang on a second. So Minervini, <laughs> who is considered the greatest trader in the entire world, mm-hmm. just won the 2021 U S investing championship with a 344% return. So if we do just easy math on this, if you have a thousand dollar account and you have a 344% return, that means you have, $3,444 of profits plus your original. So 4444. And I was like, he's the greatest trader in the world. And you want to make at least five times that, but you would be really okay if we had, I don't know, 50 times that. I don't think that that's going to happen, especially in your first year, because the goal this year for you, your first year of trading is to break even. If you can break oh. even trading your first year, you have beaten 90% of all traders. You've won. But, yep. But nobody wants to hear that, Akil. You haven't when you, gone broke. You've won. Nobody wants to hear the fact that the first year goal is break even. That's not sexy. That's not buying Lambos. Oh, man. No. But it, and, and, and it's, it's, it's interesting. But I think here's what people don't understand. It. And, and when, and like you mentioned, you know, 100% return, like these things do happen. Mm-hmm. Like these, I think like my best year I had, I think I was, I was 60 something percent. And even then it was like the next year I was like, okay, yeah, this is going to be the normal. I'm going to, and then I got sucked back into reality. And it's mm-hmm. like, but like big returns are going to happen. You're, you're going to hit big weeks. You're going to hit big months, hit big years. Um, but it's important to be grounded and understand like, Hey, these things are going to happen. My job is to survive until the next one happens. So if, if you have half of that and then half of that and half of that, and then boom, a big one, it's survive and don't give it back because that's what most traders do, right? Most, most traders don't make money and then they'll give it back with poor risk management or because they don't know what they're doing. Absolutely. It's, it's all about then, hanging on to your profits until you reach that next big profitable thing. And then you collect that money and then you hang on and survive again. You're totally right. And you look at the market, the stock market, at least for 2022, mm-hmm. right? Everything that worked in 2021 and 2020 <laughs> 
got decimated. We're only into May and like stocks are being cut down 50, 60, 80% from what they were. And these are quote, the good names, right? These are the Netflixes, the, uh, the Teladocs, you know, all the, the, uh, the names where people were like, this can never go down. It fails. Yeah. And now, now Akil, I'm hearing so much people, and this concerns me more than anything. The idea that everything is now a, a value play. It's like, no, dude, you just got wrecked holding, I'll use Netflix, for example. You just got wrecked holding Netflix down 75%. And now you think it's a great time to double your position? Bro, you should have got out $500 ago on Netflix. And you're thinking, oh, I'll just, I'll, I'll average down. And then, Akil, if it, if it ever goes back up, which who knows if it will, nothing's guaranteed in this market. And when, oh man, I had somebody on TikTok, he was a uh, financial advisor, which really bothered me. You know, it's one of those people who, who feel that they're smart because they have extra letters after their name. He's like, uh, do you not understand that this is the greatest buying opportunity of all time? And I was like, do you not understand a downtrend when you see one dude, (laughs) like you don't have to buy the downtrend. You don't have to, you can just like, wait. I know it's crazy. Like you can hold cash. <laughs> it's a weird thing, right? You can actually not trade and probably do better and not be stuck in a trade yeah. that's not working for six, eight months or, or years until you get back to profitability. It's, I, I feel like people are shifting to, so, you know, there's the whole thing where, you know, everyone's following everything that's popular. Right. And so when, when, people when, when the market crashes and whatnot the you know it used to be like you know all this fear and blah 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 and everything's burning and then it went to like the the, the gurus oh you know this is the the best time to buy you got to buy the dip and this and this and that which again like it's 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 true in principle right when you know things will get cheap enough and you can buy them up and you can make but but it doesn't mean now like it doesn't <laughs> you still have to know when like just because things get cheap it doesn't mean buy now because it it could go further down and then you're just holding a negative position. It's like, but that I feel like that's been the shift of, of everyone that mm-hmm. was getting burnt before. And now it's like, they want to put on their, their financial advisor hat and be like, Oh yeah, I'm just going to, I'm just going to keep buying it every time it goes lower and, and until blah, 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 blah. Cause it's got to go back up. And it's like, like you said, it, it, it doesn't have to go back up. No, it doesn't. Even if it, <laughs> even if it does go back up, like you may go broke before it does go back up. Like that can, that can potentially and, and probably will happen too. Like you may lose all your money before it. But Akil, these are great companies. You can't tell me that buying Apple while it's down 30% isn't a great idea. Oh, you're right. I'm buying right now. I'll buy. Yeah. <laughs> you got me. You sold me. <laughs> no, it's, it's that thing where it's like, everyone's a trader when it's a tradable market. But once it's not, everybody's a long-term investor until yes. they get their stock back. Mm-hmm. It's crazy right now for sure. So where does where do you see the future going for for what you're working on? Right, you've got tier one trading, yep. you've got your podcast. Where yep. where's the future for Akil? Continuing to help others, uh, you know, a goal I have, and I don't know if I would ever do this um, or when I would ever do this, but I I would like to because we're, we're so we do a good job of educating traders. Um, we've had a lot of successful traders come through our program, and the problem is, or the next bridge would be okay. Well where do we send them, right? Because you you have this skill, you can extract money from the market, but many of the traders that we work with don't have enough to kind of just go full-time trading. Like they can't you know, live their entire life off of their trading income because that takes a lot of money. So ideally it would be to give them a bridge 
on where to go to next. So, you know, currently, you know, a lot of our traders doing prop firm challenges and stuff like that and getting funded that way. It'd be so cool to have kind of an in-house fund that we can directly take the traders that we work with. We already know them on a personal level because the successful ones are typically with us for over a year. So that trust is already there. We know how they operate. We know they're finally educated. We don't have to retrain put them right into a position where not only they can earn money um, with our funds, but obviously as a business, we can earn money as well. Um, will that ever happen? I don't know. There's a lot of bells and whistles to jump through legally to do that. Um, my big concern, I was telling my, our traders just the other day too, is, you know, I don't know if I'm ready to do that. You know, if I'm ever in a position where you're trading my money, I'm, it's going to be like a prop firm. Like I'm going to watch every single move you do. When you buy something, I know. When you sell something, I know. We're, we're going to have to have meetings to evaluate and check up and then make sure everything's correctly or going correctly. I don't want to get away from teaching because I get so much value out of teaching um, and, and specifically teaching traders that are aspiring traders um, versus traders that have already made it because I, I guess it's a, it's a little bit of my story where I, where I came from, you know, pretty much nothing and, and learned how to trade, was taught how to trade and was able to kind of change my life because of that. Part of me always wants to be that person that gives back to the next Akil who's like, they don't have a lot of money, but they have this dream and they, and they, they work hard um, to help them get that dream versus and like when I managed money, it was like, hey, I'm helping rich people or wealthy people become more wealthy, which didn't really fill that void. It was like, okay, yeah. well, that's good. So, but I mean, I guess that's the long-term, the long-term dream. Um, um, that, that'd be pretty cool to do. Nice. Well, Akil, where can people find more about you, your podcast, your website, everything like that? All over the internet. Um, just got to watch out for fake people, but I'm on what? I'm on Twitter, TikTok, Instagram, probably something else. I'm at, at Akil Stokes, RTM, Facebook as well. I've got a YouTube channel, Akil Stokes. I do videos, a lot of videos throughout the week. So you can check out videos there. And also the Trading Coach podcast as well. Come out three times a week talking about trading stuff, life stuff, financial stuff, whatever stuff I want to talk about. But all over the internet, again, just watch out for the scammy people. I'm sure you deal with this as well. But if anyone ever kind of DMs you and is like, hey, I can double your money in, in you know tomorrow if you just send a check here, it's not me. Um, no. But I would say feel free to reach out. I do like talking to traders. You don't have to be scared to ask me questions or anything like that. I, I love being social. Um, so feel free to reach out if you have any questions about anything. Um, I love to talk trading. <laughs> Very cool. Well, Akil, thank you so much for your time today. I've really enjoyed this conversation. Uh, I can't wait to uh, to share it and you know, show people that any kind of background with the right determination and persistence can be successful as a trader in any market. So, man, I really appreciate your time. Awesome. Thank you for having me. This was, this was a blast. Awesome. Thank you so much, Akil. And thank you guys for coming today. I'll see you on the next episode. Hey, don't forget, before you head out, head to secretinvestingbook.com right now to get your free copy of the Secret Investing Book. This is how to finally get a positively unfair advantage in the stock market. And it has 13 of the secrets that Wall Street does not want you to know. And I want to send this to you for free today. Just help me by covering shipping. And the way you can do that is by going to secretinvestingbook.com. That's secretinvestingbook.com. And I'll ship this out for you right away. Thanks so much. I'll see you there.